It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Seven minutes after the hour, hour number three of Green and Growing, and I'm really happy that uh, I'm not alone this morning. I had Chris and Ann starting the show, and now I have Jeff and Raphael from ChopMyTree.com in the studios. The party just getting larger and larger, guys. Dave Baker gets a lot of guests, and sometimes I'm jealous, but I'm also, like, polite because I don't want to ask people to come in. Oh, yeah, come in on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. to be on the show with me. Most people are like, yeah, that's a hard pass. Can we like just record the interview on the phone maybe so I don't have to get up at 6 a.m.? But uh, you can find their website at chopmytree.com, Premier Tree Solutions. And so we've got a lot of great calls and we'll get to those in just a minute. But uh, Raphael, one thing that was top of mind, and I thank Walter Reeves for sending this along, he heard from a lady, Susan, who was really irritated that she kept seeing her Suzanne. She kept seeing all of these, like, it looked to be droppings on her deck. And she's like, I don't know what this is. Is this from caterpillars in the trees? Like, this is driving us crazy and we don't know what to do. And you knew exactly what it was. Yeah, it's a common problem, uh, especially here in the south. Uh, I saw the picture that you showed me, and that's a, that's an orange striped caterpillar. Oak worm is what they call it. Uh, there's also the yellow type that's more common in the north. Uh, they both have the same problem. They poop a lot. Yeah, they, <laughs> my gosh. And they end up on your deck and your in your roof and your gutters, and they just make a mess. Now, are they doing any damage to the oak tree? Uh, they eat off of the leaves, so they're going to, you know, it's a, it's not good to have it. It's not going to kill it. Okay, so good. if you're concerned about your tree, uh, I, I doubted that it'll die because of it, especially because once uh, summer is over, the leaves drop, and then they have a new cycle with new leaves. Yeah. And if they stick around, you're going to have the same problem. If they Sometimes they go away, too. So uh, if you have this type of problem and you have a deck underneath and in your grill and it's just making that, <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of, you know, it's very common for us to see that. Yeah. Uh, one way to treat it is, uh, like, I think I don't want to be repetitive, but with the injectables again, you know, we have the, the active ingredients, imamectin is widely used for most, for a lot of pesticides and insecticides. And uh, it works great. So uh, there's a certain window in the, in the time of the year that you can do is before the eggs uh, starts to hatch, and that is spring. And uh, if you're interested, you can just give us a call, and I'll come out and give you a quote for it. And it, it does have to be timed. Like you said, you all have to understand the life cycle of a lot of these pests, you know, when it's most beneficial to go after them versus once they're in the adult stage, there's not a lot of things you can do. But So the injectable done by a professional at the base of the tree, it's obviously systemic. So it's going to go all the way from the base of the tree up. All throughout the tree. Yeah. Yes. So those caterpillars, my goodness, they're messy. Like you said, the deck, the driveway, like anything. And now that people are seeing it, I agree with you. Just kind of wait it out. I mean, their life cycle is not going to last much longer. But um, some tree companies that may try to get folks to pay for like a spray. I mean, really, how are you going to spray these caterpillars that are 30 and 40 feet up? Yeah, if you have a tree that is 15 feet you know, tall, then yeah. you can get away with it. You're not going to be able to do that in a 50, 70, 100 foot tree. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to happen. Kind of the same thing, too, um, over the summer, folks noticing, you know, cobwebs and spiders very out and active this time of year, but also webworms, the caterpillars, like tent caterpillars that build the webs, you know. On cherry trees, yes. Yeah, same kind of thing. I mean, like, a lot of them are so high up, you're not going to be able to knock the web back yourself, but I don't necessarily think it's worth a spray. 
Uh, again, it goes back to the size of the tree. Yeah. Uh, if you feel like you can handle it, just go to a big box uh, uh, store and get a, get a spray and, and do it. But no, like I said, most of the case, you're going to have to uh, do some injections in the trunk of the tree. Yeah. Like you said, it's systemic. It goes all, to, all, to, all around the tree, all in the canopy, and it does a great job eliminating those, those bugs. Yeah, and those are bagworms, tent caterpillars, whatever, and they're going to defoliate all the leaves that they have you know, gotten inside of their web. So the tree yeah. is going to look a little unhealthy for a while, but luckily for us... The trees are able to leaf back out and recover from next, stuff like next that. Next cycle, exactly. Okay. Well, there may be some things that trees can't recover from. So Jeff and Raphael are here to answer your calls. 404-872-0750. Want to talk to Stuart first, calling from Jonesboro. Hey, Stuart, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. And good morning to all of you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. I've got a uh, white oak, I guess roughly 55, 60 feet tall, pretty good looking tree. Uh, about five years ago, it took a lightning strike, and I've got a uh, lightning scar probably oh, 30 feet along the trunk. Um, the canopy is still doing great, but there's some rot in the in the scar. Um, I've even got a couple mushrooms growing about the size of my hand. Um, what can I do? Yeah, well, based on what you described there, uh, it looks like the tree is still healthy, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, the only problem is, you know, health and stability, are, they go different ways. You know, you can have a healthy tree that is just not stable. So since you mentioned that the size of those mushrooms are, you know, the size of the palm of your hand, those are pretty significant sized. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of decay going on. Um, is, uh, do you have a target around the tree? I'm looking from a risk assessment perspective. Uh, do you have a driveway, park cars? Are you constantly around the tree? What's the, the houses nearby? Where, where's the tree located in your property? I, I, it, it's in a wooded area. Um, it's not, far, it's certainly within range of my storage shed, but if there's any lean to the tree, it's away from the shed. So I'm not too worried about that. Right. Well, that's a good sign. Um, it's uh, it's really hard to predict those things. You, you're seeing, you're looking at the right signs. You know, every time you see any uh, fruiting bodies like fungus, that's a sign of internal decay, which means you know the the tree could be could have a huge cavity inside of the trunk and you know expanding. Uh, so that affects the stability of the tree for sure. Now, when you say that uh, your your house is pretty far away, the tree is leaning the opposite direction. I would give it a shot and let the tree handle it uh, if there is a minimal risk and uh, see how the tree uh, does. But there's no treatment. The bottom line is there's no treatment. You're not going to bring the the dead tissue back to life. Once it's dead, it's dead and not going to regrow, unfortunately. Well, is it common, like, if a lightning has struck the trunk of a tree, I mean, could that maybe take a couple of years to really start dying from the outside in? It's not going to happen immediately. It's, yes, that that is correct, and uh, it depends on the ex- and it's never just a trunk. It, it usually starts from the very tip of the tree in the canopy and trips all the way down to the bottom. Sometimes the the most visible part of the damage is in the trunk. Yeah, uh, and that's where he sings the mushrooms. Back to what you were saying. Yes, yeah, sometimes it takes a couple of years until you see the real damage. And uh, since he mentioned that the canopy looks great, mm-hmm. that's a well, great sign. Yeah, you know, good. the tree. Yeah, still conducting. You know. Uh, uh, flow in nutrients up mm-hmm. and down, which is great, and the tree is healthy. It's just I'm I'm coming from a risk assessment perspective and trying to see if uh, there's any potential for damage 
if the tree comes down. Yeah, no, and if it's more of a wooded area, that's that's probably better news. May yeah. save Stewart a little bit of money. Now, when there's a, a gap, a big gaping wound in a tree, do you recommend using those products that are fillers that you just kind of put inside the, the hole and... Back in the day, way. they used to do that, but in a, it's been scientifically proved that that doesn't help the tree at all. I mean, it's just a, it's an eyesore to have those big holes in it. And sometimes I, I know people used to put foam and paint on it. Gosh. Concrete, I've seen concrete. Concrete, all sorts of material. It doesn't really do anything for yeah. the tree. No. I mean, think about it. Like, too, if we have a gaping wound on our arm, yeah. you're not going to put anything inside that. You're going to let the tissue grow back over, the skin grow back over. Yeah. It heals itself. Trees are just that intuitive. That's right. Yeah. All right. Very good. Thank you, Stuart. Very good question from you. All right. Up next, we are going to talk to Jennifer calling from Atlanta. Hey, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley, and thanks so much for your show and for having your experts on there to answer all of our questions. Thank Thank you. you. I really look forward to it. Like the Saturdays I get guests in here, I'm like, yay, because it is. It's just so much fun. So I'm glad you enjoy it. Well, we we do enjoy it, and and it's very, very helpful. Our um, issue is actually about a tree in our little um, park that's in our neighborhood, and we didn't have lightning strike. We had the power company strike it. out if you picture the green top of the tree uh like a clock they took out overhanging just a few little overhanging leaves they were pretty thorough over power lines i Mm -hmm. guess in preparation for winter so when you're looking at it like a round clock between 12 and 9 there's a huge big gaping gap there and our question is if we have an arborist or tree trimmer come out and give the other side, make it all even, would that kill the tree? Because it's about a 20-foot-high tree, maple, and um, my husband's helping me because I forget about what kind of tree it is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, I I see that a lot when the power companies have to go trim back. You know, Bradford pears especially, crepe myrtles to where it has that lopsided look. And I understand what Jennifer's saying there. What if we kind of even out the bad haircut, so to speak? How much pruning is too much before the tree is just going to really stress out? 30%. We don't want to prune more than 30%. So we'd really have to take a look at it to see what they've done to see if we can help balance it out. And and if you do pruning to the other side to kind of balance it out, like you're saying, 30% at one time, you want to do no more than that. But if you were to wait... And kind of balance it out. I mean, do you want to wait a few months or a year to kind of give it time to readjust and then take another 30% or is that just too much in general? I think one year break is a, is a good time to wait until you do the 30% again. I think in her case, we're going to have to come out there and take a look at the job that the power company did. Uh, they probably did what we call the heading cuts. You know, they cut the branches in half. They don't take Ugh. care of it. They're not going to go all the way back to the no. trunk and make the branch collar look good and, yeah. and healthy. Um, so there's, there's probably a lot of dead branches on that area where the power company did the cuts. So we can fix those. We can come out there and see what's dying, what's Mm -hmm. dead already. And I get that, that dead wood out of there and then maybe compensate on the other side and do the the appropriate cuts. Yeah. And honestly, you know, there, there is such a thing and I'm sure y'all see this a lot at Premier Tree Solutions, (laughs) corrective pruning, because if, if the power company or bad tree companies are literally just lobbing a branch off and it's not at a growth point, it's not at a new stem or something like that, that cuts going to eventually probably be left open for rot and decay and all that stuff. Like you said, there's now dead branches, but going back and doing that corrective pruning to where you're pruning back 
to the trunk or to another branch that yes. it's going to be able to heal itself properly. And correct me if I'm wrong, Raphael, but the new growth comes from there. Like the new growth is going to come from where a cut's made and it sends energy right to that point to where that's where it's going to be able to send off new branches, right? That is, that is correct. Yeah. The, the appropriate way to cut branches, like you mentioned before, it's a, either back to the trunk or back to the branch unit. Back to that split when you see two branches going different directions, just make that cut right there. Mm-hmm. Don't do a flush cut. Don't leave a big stub. Just yeah. make sure you cut it at a certain angle where you're going to allow the tree to grow back from that point on. And sharp tools as well. If you're doing it yourself, if it's something, you know, maybe only an inch or so in diameter, really sharp lobbers or pruners or whatever, don't leave a jagged one where some of the bark is peeled broken, off, yeah. peeled off. Yeah, that's not good for it. Jennifer, thank you very much. Yeah, find them, chopmytree.com. Let them come out and take a look. I bet that they could... Make it pretty in no time, may have to wait, but that's good advice. No more than 30% at a time when you're talking about overall pruning of a tree. Uh, when we come back, Sue in Lawrenceville, a question about brown spots on her oak tree leaves. Al in Cleveland, a question about a Japanese maple. And Rick in Sharpsburg, the ever popular Leland cypress tree. Some questions about that. 404 872 It's Ashley Frasca on Green and Growing. Stay tuned. It's Scott Slate. Did you know you can listen to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on Saturday mornings on your smart speaker? And me too, weekday mornings, just tell your smart speaker, play 95.5 WSB, and we're on. 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's news and talk. Here's Ashley. The weather update for your weekend brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today and tomorrow, mostly sunny skies, highs around the mid to upper 80s, lows getting down around 70, 72 degrees right now in Midtown Atlanta. I've got Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago of ChopMyTree.com answering your tree questions. So before we get to Pike Nursery at the bottom of the hour, talking about summer fertilization, I want to talk to Sue in Lawrenceville with a question about spots on her oak tree leaves. Hey, Sue, welcome on. Hey, good morning, Ashley. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. Um, I have been noticing uh, small um, oak trees in our in our yard. We do live in the woods at the end of a, a subdivision at cul-de-sac, and um, these leaves are just covered with all these brown spots, and now I've looked out today, and a lot of the leaves are just curling up, and I don't have a clue what what it is. Are the brown spots raised or are they flat on the leaf? They're flat on the leaf. Okay, so Raphael, you've got an idea for that? Yeah, I do. We're discussing this. Uh, it, it sounds like you have bacterial uh, leaves, uh, leaf spots and that that's... Uh, Something that happened a long time ago in March, and uh, you know when the start the oak trees were starting to leave out, and uh, like you said, it's uh, it's uh, happening all over town. I mean, we have tons of clients with the same problem. The good news is, you know, bacterial leaf scorch or any foliage diseases for that matter, uh, they go away once summer is over, and they go back, you know, or don't go back sometimes in the next growing cycle, which is uh, next year. So you don't have to worry about the, the health of your tree. It's, uh, it's going to be fine. It's not going to kill your tree. But I, I get that it's a, it's a nice sword to look at it. And uh, sometimes, you know, some people like to treat it. So one way to treat it, it's a bacteria disease. Sometimes there are leaf miners in it, which are insects. Um, but it's uh, the underlying cause of bacterial disease. And uh, you can treat it with injectables with it antibiotic and that it should go away with that and a lot of that bacterial stuff can overwinter like you said it may like it may or may not yeah it's a 50 50 shot you know sometimes it's worth waiting until next cycle and 
And if it goes back, then you can treat it. And at least when we saw the oak leaf miner, that guy that was chewing holes through the leaves and they had white spots on him back in May, at least over the summer, a lot of oak trees had a chance to rebound and grow new leaves. But now, as we're getting toward the end of the season, the leaves are going to fall anyway. So that's good news for you, Sue. Nothing you need to do. Thank you. Thank you, Raphael. 404-872-0750. We'll be right back. Stay tuned on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Last half hour to go. It goes by quick. Thank you so much for listening this morning to Green and Growing and following along on the Facebook page as well. A lot of you have liked or followed the Facebook page this morning. Thank you. If you're on Facebook, search Green and Growing WSB. And I just posted some cool pictures from a job that uh, the gentleman at Premier Tree Solutions, Chop My Tree, did recently for Cobb County. The Concord Covered Bridge, is it's historic. It's a landmark for sure. So log on and see that. I want to talk to my friend Allison Smith at Pike Nursery, the East Cobb location this morning. Hey there, friend. Good morning. How are you? Now, I don't know if you were up at six, but I talked about you. Did you hear it? <laughs> <laughs> I was up at six, but I didn't. So I was talking Aww, about my, kind. my recent trip to your store and how I just loaded up on some really fun stuff. And I don't know if you saw it in my cart when I was there, but I got a Sansevieria, but I got like the, it, it's not the traditional looking snake plant with the tall flat leaves it looks like little green beans coming out of the dirt oh yeah the dragon the fingers i that love it cool i got that for yes. a co-worker and he loves it <laughs> yeah that's a super cool house plant i love it it is it is and uh and i was also telling my colleagues here with me this morning chris and ann I had the dumbest dream. Like when my alarm went off this morning, I kept hitting my snooze, but I knew, uh-huh. you know, my body's trying to tell me like, get up, you have to get to work, you know? So I knew, I'm not even joking, Allison, the, the topic that we we're going to be discussing today was summer fertilizing simplified. And when I went back to sleep, I had a dream that I was in a class in the middle of July and the lady was like <laughs> lecturing on fertilizing in the summer. And I kid That's you not, fantastic. I was like, yeah, I knew this was coming up and I'm looking forward to this topic too, but that was just trying to get me out of bed. Like you've got a show to host, get up. I Love so it. that's I love what we're it. talking about. I know we're past July, but August, September, still really important to be fertilizing some things. You know, maybe folks are very conscious of it in the spring, but now rounds two and three of certain fertilizers. So what do you have for us? That's right. And especially with all of the rain we've had lately. I mean, who doesn't love free watering with Mother Nature? We all do. But on the other side of that coin, we've got some... some uh, detrimental elements to a lot of water. Um, What we kind of could overlook is the fact that when we get a lot of rain, that water can leach out nutrients from our soil, robbing all of our plants of the snacks that they so desperately need. And, uh, And when we're enjoying summer and out and about, it's easy to overlook fertilizing. So we've got some real simple tips just from for flower beds, potted plants, house plants, lawns, and even veggies on uh, how this time of year you can fertilize to keep those guys thriving before we move into into fall. All right, and I love that for the flower beds. In addition to fertilizing, which you'll tell us a little bit about, deadheading stuff too. We still have a lot of those summer flowers and the summer blooms, and the more we deadhead and pinch off the expired flowers, you know, the more the plant's going to be able to bloom, but also a good fertilizer application is going to help with that too. 
Absolutely. I love that you bring up deadheading because it is so helpful to the plant. Plants will continue to try and feed the dying blooms. And when we deadhead, it just reallocates that energy to new blooms. So you can really inject a lot of help there in your plant just by just by spending a I like getting my coffee in the morning and just looking at my flowers and plucking a few little off here and there. It doesn't have to be a huge task. It doesn't have to be overwhelming, but it's super helpful to continuing those blooms. Absolutely. Yeah. But on, on to fertilizers. Um, so let's talk about flower beds because I know we are all, we've all been enjoying the things we planted in spring and early summer, and uh, we want to keep those thriving. What, um, what we like this year, because annuals are such heavy bloomers and they do need that food, I really like organic fertilizers. I'm kind of a big fan of it. I talk to you about it all the time. But I like them this time of year especially because they're nice, slow-release, organic, non-burning fertilizers, and they'll last four, six, eight weeks, depending on that rain. Mm-hmm. But it's a nice slow release. So you can get them in. Uh, what I, what we like here is Dr. Earth's annual bloom for two reasons. The, well, for a lot of reasons, those that I just mentioned. But it works both on warm season flowers and cool season. So it'll release and activate even when the temperatures get cool. So having that on hand as we approach uh, just a just not too long um, in the future, our pansies um, and violas, it's great to have on hand. But just stirring up the soil a little bit, pouring some of that fertilizer in there, and then giving it a good drink really boosts the energy for those blooms in your flower beds. So Dr. Earth annual bloom, that is a good slow release one. And another one, as soon as you said pansies, I thought of Osmocote. That's good in potted containers as well, but that is slow release too. It is. It is. And speaking of potted plants and house plants, actually, I, I love Osmocote for mine, mostly because it lets me own all of my potted plants. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a, I'm a little, I have to spend a little less time paying attention because in our potted plants, you know, we've limited the amount of soil. And um, so the water is going to evaporate more quickly. But also we just have a limited area for, again, those snacks for our flowers and house plants. So getting that Osmocote in there uh, really helps. It's a slow-release fertilizer. You've probably seen them like little bitty. They almost look like um, like little cupcake uh, decorations. It does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the bottle is uh, so easy to spot in Pike Nursery with a pink cap. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about Osmocote. Absolutely. And a pro tip for Osmocote with your potted plants, before applying and you just sprinkle it in, stir up the soil just a little bit uh, and get it in maybe like half an inch. That fresh soil, um, even although the fertilizer will activate and slowly release every time you water, if you get it in that soil, that top inch, it's also going to continue slowly releasing. The soil is going to help activate it as well. So that's just a little pro tip I like to use, with especially my house plants. Good. Okay. And for lawns, Allison, I know this is important too. Want to fertilize things when they're in active growth. And the strong, the stronger the lawn, when you strengthen the nutrition of the lawn, you're going to be able to choke out weeds. You're going to be able to prevent disease and all of that. One grass that's not in active growth right now quite yet, it's struggling, is fescue because that's a cool season grass. It does better in the cool seasons. But how about if we have those warm season grasses that are looking great right now, like Bermuda or Zoysia? Oh, yeah. Great point about that strength. I like malorganite this time of year. Um, it is an or, it's an organic fertilizer, but this time of year when it's in August and it's hot and, and that Bermuda and zoysias is, is still thriving, getting that malorganite in there, it won't burn 
Bonus, the deer don't like it. Yeah. They don't like the smell. So as deer are popping up and getting hungry, it'll keep them away from your lawn and, and potentially your flower beds as well. Yeah, that malorganite smell. It's not terrible for us, but it's certainly a lot more pungent for the deer. Um, and one last thing, the vegetable gardens, because we still have some that are growing strong with the cucumbers and tomatoes. What do we feed them? Oh, let's get them Dr. Earth's homegrown uh, fertilizer for vegetables and herbs. As you and I have talked about a lot of times, uh, vegetables and herbs are voracious feeders. They need it to make all that fruit and those delicious flavors in um, in herbs. So getting that in there uh, will last, again, about four, six, eight weeks, depending on how frequently we're watering, which should be frequently in the heat and in the morning. But it's non-burning, and it'll keep those uh, keep those good vegetables providing. Very good, Allison. Great advice. And you know the experts at Pike Nursery. You can always bring a picture or a clipping or a leaf or something, something that's problematic into the store and their experts can help diagnose the problem, prescribe a solution because there are a ton of products there, a lot of which are organic at Pike Nursery. Thank you, Allison, for coming back. I always appreciate your knowledge so much. Oh, I love it. Love talking to you. Have a great day, Ashley. You too. We'll be seeing you very soon. Allison Smith, one of the kindest people over at the East Cobb location, Johnson Ferry in Shalliford. And I love my town lake store because it's close to home, but I think East Cobb is coming in a close number too. All right. I've got with me Jeff Roth and Rafael Santiago of ChopMyTree.com. See, guys, you always learn something, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, people learn from y'all when you're on the show, but you get to kick back and be like, Malorganite, I didn't know that. That's right. (laughs) So now you know. So we've got a couple of more really great questions for you. Back to the phones we'll go. Talk to Phyllis in Stone Mountain. Hey, Phyllis, what's your question today? Well, um, good morning. Hi. Hi. I have, um, across the street from me, uh, a dead tree, and it is in someone's yard. It's a quite tall, I'm not good at height, pine tree, but if it comes down, it will um, hit my house. Mm. And I've got a beautiful Japanese maple as well that it will hit, as well as power lines. This is rental property, It's um, so I don't really know how to proceed, but it's dead, and I've taken pictures of it, and I just wanted to know if they had any suggestions of what I could do next. Okay, so there's laws and all that kind of stuff. If the tree falls and it's in your yard versus the neighbor's yard, who's responsible? I know you've got some thoughts. Uh, yeah, the first step is is find out who the uh, property owner is and send them a letter um, letting them know that the tree is dead and uh, it risks of uh, falling on your property or your structure. So like putting documentation out there. Yes. That, you know. So that way if it does fall, she has the letter um, that she informed the property owner about. It's uh, no longer an act of God. Yeah. If a tree falls in your property, they call it an act of God, and mm-hmm. nothing happens. You know, if it fell on your property, so you're responsible for it. Yeah. Um, however, if you notify the owner of that tree and it does come down, then you have something to uh, back up on. Yeah. So, but do y'all? I don't know if this is common. Do y'all ever get a customer who calls you? And you get out to their property, and they're like, actually, I was calling about that neighbor's tree. Like, y'all probably can't really go over onto the neighbor's property without their permission, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, we can't. So if the property owner calls, it needs to be about something that's on their property. That's right. Yes. So, Phyllis, that's really good advice. Get that letter drafted. And, you know, of course, be nice to the renters. You know, they have no control over it. But just be like, hey, if y'all don't mind, you know, do you have the name and address for the owner? 
What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say maybe you could just, uh, you know, just to be friendly instead of uh, sending a letter out, you know, it could be intimidating and uh, you may just text him, you know, go out and knock the door and talk to them and yeah. see, get a feel how they uh, feel about the tree. Um, and if uh, it doesn't go well, then uh, you can take the next step and write an actual letter Yeah. Um, and take pictures and, you know, and make sure you have really uh, doc a, a good piece of documentation that you can uh, use it in case that. The worst comes to worst. Yeah. So then fall. how does that work? Like, say the tree does fall, I hope not, on Phyllis's property, ruins are shed, ruins are Japanese maple, her insurance company comes out, and then they look at the origin of the tree, which the base is in the neighbor's property. So then I guess the insurance company at that point probably is like, okay, we need to get on to them. Yeah, I would assume that they go over there and deal with their insurance company on yeah. that, or the property owner for that matter. Okay, yeah. very astute of you to notice that, Phyllis. Thank you so much for the call. Um, I think, when yeah, when we come back, we don't have time right this second. We're going to talk to Al in Cleveland, uh, Japanese maple questions about pruning kind of the dead center part out. Uh, so we'll be right back. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. It's Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on 95.5 WSB. The news, weather, and traffic team will be here first thing Monday morning to help you get back to work on time and informed. Now back to Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca on 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. The update on the weekend weather brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today and tomorrow, very similar. It's going to be mostly sunny highs in the mid to upper 80s. Lows getting around 70, guys. It's getting cooler and cooler ever so slightly. I like a low of around 70. So one of the last calls, Raphael and Jeff, I think we have time to take. He's been so patient. Al calling from Cleveland. Good morning, Al. How can we help? Oh, good morning, Ashley. Uh, good to hear you. Thank you. Hey, I'm... I've got a, uh, a Japanese maple. It's kind of right outside my swim pool area. Uh, it's got a big patch of grass, but uh, right in the center, there are some dead limbs that are just kind of shooting right out the middle. You know, the rest of the tree is beautiful and, and hanging. I'd like to trim it up a little bit too, but those dead limbs are kind of like an eyesore sitting there in the middle. Could you tell what caused it? Does it just look like natural or was it uh, due to insects or have you really taken a close I, look? We've we've been at this house for a little over a year, year and a half now. We we we're kind of still getting our feet wet here. Okay. But it was like that when we bought the house, so I don't know if it was bugs or. Okay. I just want to make sure it's not going to be kind of a gradual, more and more limbs dying out. But it sounds like it's okay for the most part. It's healthy, Raphael. So how do we just clean that up? Yeah, take take care of your tree. Just uh, get the dead wood out and uh, see how the tree reacts. If you see an increased number of dead branches then there's a problem, you know, obviously. Uh, if it's just those uh, one or two branches, then just get rid of them and see how the tree does. Yeah, and those cuts are so important. You know, the way you make the cuts, like we talked about, and sharp pruners. Yeah, so you do, if you don't feel comfortable doing it yourself, get somebody that knows what they're doing uh, to prune those tree, uh, those branches, but uh, make sure you prune it back to the branch collar with a sharp tool. Yeah, and, and a lot of folks, I realize that, are reluctant to prune out dead limbs just because they, I don't know if they don't have the time or they just think, oh, God, I'm going to hurt the tree. But really... The dead limbs just hanging onto the tree, it's depriving it of, you know, being able to direct energy elsewhere. So that's highly recommended. To go and it's and an open door for other problems. That's a good point. So Al could go to chopmytree.com 
and have y'all come out and look at it because you do tree trimming, tree pruning, yes, all kinds of things. So, Al, thank you very much for that. I can't wait to have you guys back because off the air, we have a lot of good conversations, yeah. too. It's like, oh, we didn't have time to get to that. Yeah. So maybe next time you'll come on at 7 and 7 to 7.30. Oh, boy. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. One less half hour of sleep to go. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sorry we didn't get to Susan in Dallas. Had a really good question about, like, lollipop trees. You can imagine the shape, the way a little kid draws a tree. Um how that affects the strength of the tree and we don't have time Raphael but that would have been a good conversation so I have it we the can notes get to for that next, next time, time. Yeah, yes for sure so with my thanks again to Raphael Santiago certified arborist Jeff Roth owner of Premier Tree Solutions find them online chopmytree.com and this conversation from today will be up on their website give us give us a few days but you'll be able to go back and listen to all of the calls and the topics that we covered together so until next time folks don't forget the great Georgia pollinator census next Friday and Saturday you'll follow me on Facebook I have all the details there. Have a great weekend.